the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Wednesday, August 2nd, 2022, 2023. I don't know why I've been doing that all day. Welcome back. David Dahl is my producer. One of Donald Trump's attorneys put it perfectly well this morning. What you saw in the Jack Smith indictment yesterday was the use of the legal system to stop political debate and to put its finger on the scale of acceptable political dialogue and certain political outcome. That was never the purpose of the courts. The courts were established here, yes, for justice, but as an intermediary institution to stop mob rule and to protect individual, which means political rights. Special counsel Jack Smith gave that store away yesterday at his press statement, where in his very fourth sentence, he said, quote, the attack on our nation's capital on January 6, 2021, was an unprecedented assault on the seat of American democracy, close quote. What did that have to do with the legal indictment he filed yesterday? The counts, to recall, were conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction and attempt to disrupt an official proceeding, and conspiracy against rights. Now, if the disruption of an official proceeding was Donald Trump's questioning of the legitimacy of the 2020 election and seeking more information on it, seeking a delay in the vote certification in the House of Representatives, then it is a criminal charge against Donald Trump's free speech rights. But it is more than that. It would be a criminalization against the passel of Democrats who did the exact same thing in 2001 in regard to Bush v. Gore, proudly highlighted and celebrated in the opening scenes of Michael Moore's movie Fahrenheit 9-1-1. It would be a criminalization against U.S. Senator Barbara Boxer, who did the exact same thing in the 2004 election in questioning and objecting to the counting of the vote for George Bush in Ohio. And it would be the criminalization of Martin Sheen and dozens of other actors who in 2017 put out a public service announcement to electoral college members to be faithless. That is to say, to vote against Donald Trump, though they had been charged in the election to do just that. The statement by Jack Smith in this four-count indictment yesterday that January 6th and its attendant violence was the center of all this is one grand assault on the First Amendment, for it has been clear since at least 1969, more than half a century, that the only political speech that can be considered incitement or punishable or criminal is that which directs imminent lawless action. There is no way in any dictionary that telling a crowd to march peacefully and patriotically, which means nonviolently, and within the bounds of the law, can be considered immediate and lawless action. There is no way that working with attorneys and working with political advisors to work through election irregularities that you believe exist can be incitement to imminent lawless action. But Jack Smith didn't stop there. In his two-minute statement, he referred to the violence on January 6th at least five more times. Again, 
Where in the 45-page indictment does it show Donald Trump directed anyone to engage in a riot or incitement or whatever term of art you want to use for what took place on January 6, 2021? It doesn't. This is called bootstrapping, which is to say using Donald Trump's beliefs and statements of fraud as responsible for violence that began before Donald Trump even stopped speaking from people who clearly weren't even in Donald Trump's audience on January 6th, from people not mentioned once in the indictment of Donald Trump, from people nobody heard of until they were arrested. If it has all of a sudden become a crime, To question the legitimacy of a presidential election, then Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, Jimmy Carter, and nearly every Democratic Party member of the House of Representatives would be indicted. And don't tell me their rhetoric didn't fuel violence. Here's a story, forgotten but existent, from Reuters on Inauguration Day. Can't believe I'm having that problem. Inauguration Day of 2017, when Donald Trump was sworn into office. Quote, Black-clad activists among hundreds of demonstrators protesting Donald Trump's swearing-in on Friday clashed with police a few blocks from the White House in an outburst of violence rare for an inauguration. 217 were arrested. In the violence, knots of activists in black clothes and masks threw rocks and bottles at officers wearing riot gear who responded with volleys of tear gas and stun grenades as a helicopter hovered low overhead. At one flashpoint, a protester hurled an object through the passenger window of a police van, which sped away in reverse as demonstrators cheered. Earlier, activists used chunks of pavement and baseball bats to shatter the windows of a Bank of America branch and a McDonald's outlet, all symbols of American capitalism. Six police officers were injured. If I took out McDonald's and Bank of America and I took out the year 2017, you would have thought I was describing January 6th. Point is, quod licit jovi, non licit bovi. What is good for the gods is not good for the swine. What is okay for Democrats to do, the gods, is not good for Republicans, the swine, to do. All we want as Republicans is let the other side speak and hopefully even debate and run fair elections. What they want is to silence us, to shut us up, to criminalize and disappear us. The former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff, who cannot declassify intelligence material, went on television and radio repeatedly for five years, lying and lying and lying under the protection and guise of his credibility of being the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. He repeatedly said he had the goods to prove Donald Trump worked with the Russians to fix the 2016 election. And as David Harsani put it, Schiff most famously claimed that Congress had not only uncovered a criminal conspiracy by the president's 2016 campaign, but also that he himself was in personal possession of a smoking gun. Schiff never shared any of that corroboration with the public. The gun was a water pistol with no water or pistol. When in October of 2020, the New York Post had the goods on the Hunter Biden laptop replete with material that very well could affect foreign policy operations if it involved Ukraine, Russia, and China, three countries of import, wouldn't you say, and favored the Biden family, Favors the Biden family may owe to the leaders of those countries, never mind information of profiting off them. The entirety of the media, say Fox News, claimed that was misinformation and banned the story, even shutting down social media accounts that tried to share it, even shutting down the New York Post's story on it. How could they do that and what could they rely on to do that? Well, we learned a new rule or two as to how. Rule one. 
The media today can do any damn thing it damn well pleases, even if it's in the service of casting doubt on the legitimacy of an election or worse, altering it. And rule two, if you are Donald Trump and you have your security clearance, your home will be raided if you maintain materials deemed classified by some other institution. But if you are James Clapper or Adam Schiff or John Brennan or Michael Hayden, you can leverage and use your security clearance to lie to the American people in order to alter an election. Where are the indictments and prosecutions for all those frauds that were perpetrated and lasted for years during the Trump presidency and likely altered the election of 2020, giving us a Biden presidency? That's what Clapper and Schiff and Brennan and Hayden and over 40 other intelligence officials did in saying the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation. Do you think they knew at the time that it wasn't? course they did. They failed in delegitimizing Donald Trump with claims of Russian collusion in the 2016 election. So they thought they'd try again this time by barring a damning story about the Bidens in the 2020 election. And it worked. But Donald Trump gets indicted for questioning that election. The election was altered by these Democrats with their media. Amen. Corner. Almost 50 percent of Biden voters knew nothing about Hunter Biden's laptop scandal, according to polling conducted after the election. And almost 10 percent of those voters said they would not have voted for Biden had they known. That would have given the election to Donald Trump. The media and the intelligence community altered an election by condemning and censoring a fully legitimate story. This wasn't investigating irregularities after an election. This was tampering with an election in advance. Ann Coulter, in, in her uh, inimitable way, gets to the heart of effects and responsibilities of political lies. How about the lie the liberal industrial complex told nonstop in 2020, and in fact throughout their entire lives, that black people are the victims of relentless racism in this country? How about their telling black Americans that they are justified in resisting the police, fighting with them and fleeing from them? Those lies led to such an explosion of violence after 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 May 25th, 2020, with the killing of Floyd, that by the end of the year, the annual murder rate had shot up by 30%. Talk about the consequence of lies. As a direct result of the lies about racist America, thousands upon thousands of people were killed who would otherwise be alive. The BLM Antifa riots caused billions of dollars in property damage, and that's only counting insurance claims in 2020. Not only that, But the orgy of homicide, violence, arson, and robbery inspired by the media's lies continues to this day. The January 6th riot itself, which again was a total embarrassment for Republicans, got no one killed other than one of the protesters, Ashley Babbitt. It did point zero 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 one percent as much property damage as the George Floyd riots. To compare the proximate damage caused by the media's lies to the proximate damage, if you can even make the nexus, caused by Trump's lies is like comparing a towering inferno to a cigarette burn. Amazingly, the very people who lie to the public for a living are the ones suddenly claiming it's a criminal offense to tell a lie at all. And that's why this whole indictment is not just a crock, but an unconstitutional crock at that. Penalizing speech that cannot and should not be penalized But creating a precedent that, if followed bipartisanly, would require thousands more judges and courtrooms to prosecute the liberal left on an even basis. With this, Jack Smith's latest as the template. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Brett Johnson is our constitutional election law attorney and expert of record. He is a partner with the law firm of Snell & Wilmer, based here in Phoenix, but offices across the country. Brett, happy Wednesday. How are you, sir? Doing well. I just, uh, you know, signed up for my terrific talker's oh, VIP experience, good, 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 so good. Hopefully, hopefully I win. Uh, well, you know what? I, you you guys, you, we got to get like some of our best guests like yourself in that because, you know, I bet a lot of listeners would like to have uh, a, a meeting, an evening, a delightful dinner with someone like yourself. We really ought to think about doing that as a promotion, our, our best and brightest guests. That would be fun. It would, would be. be it would be. Yeah, it certainly would be. All right, buddy. Let's talk about this indictment um, that came down, this four-count indictment that came down yesterday. People have said if you're going to indict someone like a former president on criminal charges, you better have a pretty strong case and a pretty decent um, a decent pattern of facts to substantiate that case. That was something we talked a lot about with regard to the classified records uh, indictment. Do we have that here? You know, again, um, it, the, the, the devil's always in the details on a complaint, and even, you know, the prosecutor made that clear at the end of his press conference. Uh, he, he, uh, President Trump's entitled to, to his defense. And, and complaints are all, especially what's called speaking complaints like this, indictments are, um, you know, they're, they're so full of information that there is another side of the story. Now, what I think is concerning is that it's, it seemed, if anybody watched any of the House Special Committee on January 6th, yeah. Um, it was a repeat of a lot of that information. Of course, President Trump didn't have an opportunity or didn't uh, take the opportunity to appear before right. there and present evidence. So, so it, it's it's really don't don't be wrong. There there are certain elements that if if proven, and specifically the acts, not the speech, then uh, then there's there's a there's an interesting case to be pursued for sure. But there are going to be a lot of hurdles, and as you pointed out, when you're when you're trying to. Uh, go after a former president of the United States for, for actions taken while they were actually in office, it, it, is, it is an uphill battle. And I don't know if I would have framed it the way it was framed here. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you raised the impeachment thing. I want to come back to that in just a moment. Yep. But before I do, one more thing about the four corners of this indictment. Jonathan Turley has made the point, I think in a USA Today column today, that if he took a red pen to this indictment that was to cross out everything he considers protected political speech under the mm-hmm. First Amendment, he said you'd be left with a haiku. Is that overstating it a little bit, or do you tend to agree? No, I'm going to add, I'm going to add one more yeah. on top of that, okay. is, is that the reliance on legal counsel. Yeah. Um, it, it's replete, and, and as was the, the Florida one, too, where yeah. you know, they, made, they had statements made by lawyers who were advising um, the president here, and, and there, there is an advice of counsel defense, yeah, so right. he, especially on these complicated voting matters and constitutional issues that have never been tried before. Um, I, I think between the free speech, which I'm a little bit, although it was very concentrated by uh, Prosecutor Smith yesterday about the false statements, yeah. etc., I agree with Turley. You're going to have to eliminate a lot of those so long as they're not actually tied to specific acts. Yeah. Now, if you can tie the two to acts and it's, and it's informing what the act is is doing or what the act was requested, those are going to stand. But I, I think that the relying on those quote-unquote false statements as well as advice of counsel is is really tough, and especially naming the lawyers as yeah. conspirators, because yeah. uh, judges, they, they have great concerns about, hey, people should be able to talk to their lawyers and be creative about pursuing different actions. And the 
state of mind that seems to be so so uh, so uh, so relevant here in the indictment. Yeah. Uh, that's an odd one too. I mean, when I read it, I just thought, has anyone seen an interview with Donald Trump or or a, or a rally of Donald Trump's to actually think he doesn't think he won the twenty twenty election? That can't possibly. <laughs> I mean, that seems a real stretch to me, Brett. Yeah, it is, but it's also, you have to take it into context, uh, again, of, of the acts itself, yeah, about okay. the intent. And there's always the ability to petition your elected leaders, yeah. and you know whether or not that was what was happening with Speaker Bowers here in Arizona or the folks in Georgia. Um, you know, Obviously, a jury's going to have to make a determination on that. But that's going to be another hurdle, is that we don't want people, if they have questions, to contact the government and, and say, hey, I have questions about what happened to me. Yeah. So there, there's it's a far-ranging um, indictment on various levels, and um, it's going to be scrutinized uh, for, for not just year, years to come. It's, it's going to be scrutinized in, in the immediacy over the next six, seven months, um, and in what's called a motion to dismiss for sure. Um, now, whether or not, uh, if I was President Trump, I don't know if I'd want uh, to have a jury in D.C., yeah. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Um, so we'll see whether or not it, it gets moved. But on the impeachment issue, and I brought that yeah, up Yeah, before, yeah, 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 right. Is, is, in a different um, different context on several shows ago, is that he already went through, and the Constitution calls when the president does something that, that Congress or the people don't like, high, high crimes and misdemeanors right. is what it's called, is you go through an impeachment process. Yeah. And whether or not that impeachment process is the due process that is followed, and because he was not convicted there, yeah. whether or not double jeopardy uh, Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. That seems to be yeah. a novel open question. It's novel because of the way the Constitution words what a conviction counts for. Exactly. Not what a what would you call it non conviction I guess in the Senate counts for right that that, that that's right yeah. that you're you're not convicted yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and it doesn't mean you know. Uh, uh, again, when you get up in front of a, a criminal trial, you're, you're declared not guilty, which yeah. means that they, they just did not have enough facts or um, evidence to, to prove it one way or the other. The one last issue is mm-hmm. is that even in D.C., you might have some jury nullification because people you know, who believe that this might be politically motivated, et cetera, there is that jury nullification question, and uh, you know, Smith has to be concerned about that as he's going through this process. He did get a good draw on the judge, I'll be honest with you. The judge who's, who got assigned to this case has heard a lot of the January 6th cases, and she's going to be well-versed in a lot of these issues. Yes, as I understand it, she's also the toughest sentencing or any judge of that this. That is gen- true. Yeah. That <laughs> so, is true. so at least maybe Jack Smith got a good judge in this That's case. right. <laughs> Brett Johnson, you're always a treasure. Thank you for staying so close as we walk through and you teach us about these uh, nettlesome issues in the law. I really appreciate you, sir. Thank you. Absolutely. I am Seth Leibson, and we will be right back. Well, I put my uh, my financial hands and brains in the uh, hands and brains of John Dombrowski. He is the Founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website, and he brings us our analysis on the culture and economy this time. And, uh, John, welcome back. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. A lot of us, you bet, we appreciate you. A lot of us woke up to the news that we went from a AAA rating as a country to an AA plus yes. under what is known as the Fitch ratings, mm-hmm. Fitch credit analysis. What yes. does all this mean, sir? 
So we've heard of these different credit agencies, and I really wonder how much stock you could put into some of these agencies. Yeah. As, as we know, during um, 2007 and eight, uh, when we had the financial crisis, yeah. uh, the rating agencies had all of these loans that were out there, these real estate loans that were packaged up and put on Wall Street and sold to investors, rated as AAA. Yeah. And, of course, they were nothing close to AAA. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of people have lost faith mm -hmm. in uh, these rating agencies. And Janet Yellen, Treasury Secretary Yellen, has basically said this is you know, certainly not something that she feels is warranted. Uh, but I thought what was interesting, who is one of the most conservative people out there um, that I've heard when he talks about the possibilities of recession and other things that are out there, uh, you know, with this country, is the the uh, CEO, Jamie Dimon, mm -hmm. of Chase, J.P. Morgan Chase. Mm -hmm. And he's basically um, saying the same thing, that this is ridiculous. You know, he's saying that uh, uh, it doesn't matter what these what these agencies say. <laughs> you know, no. so uh, here's someone who is one of the largest banks in the world. Uh, running one of the largest banks in the world, saying that this really, really doesn't matter what they say. So uh, based all on the uh, potential of the debt crisis that we're faced with, again, of course, the government's going to be voting on the next uh, debt crisis to raise the debt ceiling again. Seems like, if I'm reading this story right, their analysis on why they downgraded us revolves around things like facing greater debt, Right. Um, interest rates, interest service burden, aging population, rising health care, the kinds of things that we've worried about for a long time. Stephen Moore, um, also even perhaps more, well, for certain more conservative than Jamie Dimon, said all of these things are true, but why is Fitch just discovering this now? Where have they been for the last right. 20 right. years? So the things are true, but the idea that the U.S. will default on its debt he says is even less likely than Joe Biden winning the next Boston Marathon. <laughs> um, very true. Um, and that seems to be the uh, consensus no. because even though the market had a little bit of a hiccup today mm -hmm. uh, because of this news, uh, it really isn't, you know, the market's pulled back 1% or whatever it was. I mean, the markets have been on a, a tremendous, uh, you know, bull run here. Oh, yeah, we had a record about months. a week ago, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. so we've had, we had had a tremendous run here. This is probably uh, almost, in a way, uh, a relief to the market that, uh, okay, we can pull back a little bit here. We could re regroup uh, and get prepared to uh, move to, um, you know, the next level of, of where the, the indexes will go. Um, again, I do believe always we have to proceed with caution when we're investing, making sure we understand the risks that we're taking on. Uh, in our investments, making sure that we have uh, the proper uh, balance and mix of our investments uh, based on your own personal risk profile. Uh, and that's what a good advisor, you know, is for, to help you get through these uh, times when things potentially could get a little bit um, concerning. And uh, so I don't think this is really anything uh, in the short term or, or long term, um, meaning long term in the next few years now. I would say, Seth, though, there's a point, right, where we're going to hit a wall as a country. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have been talking about these long-term fiscal problems for yeah. quite some time now. And, I mean, if it's a wake-up call of some respects or some sorts, it's important to draw from it, I think. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting to see if any of the other credit rate agencies yeah. do the same, follow yeah. suit or, yeah. or not. Uh, and, and also to hear from our you know leaders yeah. in uh, Washington as to uh, what they're going to be doing to – 
make sure that this doesn't happen, continue to happen, and maybe get a uh, get back to that AAA rating? Let's uh, let's yeah, let's criticize Fitch for what it did, but not for what it said. Perhaps right. Huh? Okay. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Nice way. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you. And again, John. folks could reach reach out to me if they've got questions or concerns about things, want help with their uh, financial uh, investments and portfolios uh, at uh, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, member of Finra and Tipic, and an investment advisor. Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. You're the best, John Dombrowski. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You betcha. Bye. Talk to you soon. Well, welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It is a delight and privilege to welcome back to the show guest line, Congresswoman Debbie Lesko, representing Arizona's 8th Congressional District. And as I like to add, a lot of common sense as well. Congresswoman Lesko, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me on, Seth. You betcha. You betcha. All right. Well, <laughs> what do we say? Another day, another indictment. Um, I've read it uh, twice, the 45 pages summer reading, I suppose. And um, it's hard to walk away from reading that indictment and think that you're reading something other than the attempted criminalization of political speech. Really, that's that's really the way I see it. It's hard to see any other way. And it's hard for me to assess how if you're going to go after a former president of the United States who happens also to be, I mean, if that weren't enough, he also happens to be the leading opponent of the incumbent president of the United States in an upcoming presidential election, two major issues, you're going to want to have something more than an experimental or novel theory of law, it seems to me, Debbie. But how, how do you take it? How do you read it? And what are your constituents saying? Well, I, I too, read the indictment, and I read parts of it over again, and I was very disappointed in the that a special counsel would indict him over his claims. Yeah. First of all, when I read it, it basically it seemed like the entire indictment hinged on the special counsel's allegation that Trump knowingly spread false claims of election fraud. And then the uh, prosecutor, you know, Jack Smith, goes in and says his alleged proof that Donald Trump knowingly spread these false claims was that all these different people told him (laughs) that there wasn't proof of, you know, this this election fraud. The thing that it doesn't say is all of the other people, including some of his own attorneys that said there was evidence of election fraud. So you can't, like, prove that somebody knowingly is spreading lies just because somebody tells Trump, oh, I don't believe that. Yeah. Well, so what? Yeah. Other people told him they did believe it. Yeah. And other people showed him what they believed was evidence of election fraud. So, you know, to me, the whole thing is baseless. And then you go on to some of the very biased language that the special prosecutor, Jack Smith, had. And, you know, like he would put in parentheses things like um, he would call that, you know, Attorney uh, Eastman's Mm -hmm. um, theory about having the alternate electors. What did he call it? He called it a criminal. Let me look it up. I don't know. He called it some some derogatory thing, saying it was a criminal manipulation. And he put it in parentheses. Yeah, 
Yeah. And he would add adjectives. Yeah. He would add adjectives in front of things like the corrupt something, right. the criminal something, as if him saying it makes it true, yeah. which is, I, I just thought it was extremely biased. I thought it's bogus. I, I do not think that um, the DOJ can prove any of this stuff. Um, and and so I, th- I thought it was really bad. Now, the indictment on the Marlago thing, I thought that was more that was more, I guess, well written. We haven't heard uh, Trump's uh, rebuttal to that one yet, but that one was at least more well written. Uh, this one, it just seems like some propaganda that's been put out by the Democrat Party. And that he's just trying to prove some stuff. It's, it's to me. I was very disappointed that our Department of Justice was proceeding with this and and went on ahead with. I was every time I tried to turn the page and kept reading on. I'm like, surely they have something sure, else. Surely there's something more. Right. You're waiting for and they for, did it. for a dog to bark and it doesn't. Right. Yeah. It would be as if, I guess, if you hired me as your advisor and you hired, I don't know, pick someone, Carl Rove, I don't know, just to pick a name as your advisor. And I said one thing and Carl Rove told you something 180 degrees otherwise, and you relied on his advice rather than mine and you were indicted for not believing me. That that's yeah, that's that's kind of what we're going with here. And I got to tell you, too, Congresswoman, I mean, you know, the president, I don't and or the former president. And I don't. But I've watched enough rallies and I've watched enough interviews to say no one with two eyes and two ears can look at or listen to that man and credibly think he actually believes he didn't win the 2020 election. You cannot say he knew that he was spreading lies about fraud. You cannot yeah. listen to that man and think that that's what he thinks. You just cannot possibly do it. It's insane to me that this Jack Smith special counsel is trying to graft beliefs onto Donald Trump that he so clearly doesn't hold. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it is incredible. So like I said, I think the whole indictment crumbles because it's entirely based on that his allegation, Jack Smith's allegation, that Trump knowingly lied, like that yeah. Trump believed that the election was perfectly fine, which yeah. is really hard it's to laughable. believe. Like it's laughable said. to think that he thinks that. You may think one way, I may think another way on it, but yeah, it's laughable exactly. to think Trump thinks it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then the other thing, I mean, the way that Jack Smith wrote this thing was just like uh, so biased yeah. because in one part he put, what did he put? Let me let me read it. It says on page three of the indictment, yeah. it says Trump enlisted co-conspirator yeah, yeah. conspirators, you know, basically. To In other words, lawyers. And I'm In like, other words, lawyers. He, yeah. he hired lawyers. Yeah, right, right, co-conspirators right, right, are lawyers. Right. Since when is hiring lawyers a crime? Right. You know, this is just insane. I, I, I think guess Hillary totally hired co-conspirators. Insane. I guess Hillary hired co-conspirators, right? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And then meanwhile, you have this timeline, which is very suspicious, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. So on June 7th, the FBI releases documents to Congress alleging the Bidens took a $10 million bribe from Burisma Energy Company in Ukraine, right? Right. That's June 7th. Right. And then June 8th, the next day, 
Jack Smith, the special counsel, indicts Trump yep. on the Mar-a-Lago documents case. Yep. Right? Yep. One day later. Right. Then July 26th, right. Hunter Biden goes to court and, and rejects the sweetheart plea deal right. after, you know, the judge says to the DOJ, are you going to continue investigating yeah. them? Yeah. And, you know, they said, yeah, we are. And then, you know, Hunter Biden's people go, what? Wait, I thought we had a wink, wink, nod, nod right. agreement here. Right. And so they reject the deal. And then on July 27th, the very next day, Jack Smith, again, adds more charges yep. for Trump yep. in the Mar-a-Lago case. Yep. Now we fast forward to July 31st. Yep. Hunter Biden's former business partner testifies to Congress that Joe Biden was on over 20 calls with yep. his son's business partners and and said that he we had the brand and all this stuff. And the very next day, son of a gun. Jack Smith <laughs> indicted Trump again. Yeah. And yeah. What the heck? This is extremely suspicious. Oh, it's more than suspicious, Debbie. I'm glad you're on it, though. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you checking in with us. Debbie, it's always good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. You betcha. Congresswoman Debbie Lesko, representing Arizona's 8th Congressional District. We'll be right back. And then you've got the economy with the stock market volatility and the bank failures, obvious inflation that we feel every day, and still talk of potential of a recession. What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the Federal Reserve or the stock market, any of that? A portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compact with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Why Refi has that for you. They have that in an investment with no fees in a secure and collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed rate of return. And Why Refi is based here locally. They encourage you to stop by their offices. They're on the 101 in Scottsdale Road. I've been there and you won't get a sales pitch and no one's asking you to, will ask you to sign a thing. But when you do meet with the team there at YReFi, you'll see why I like them so much and you will too. YReFi is a due diligence approved firm where you can earn up to a 10 and a quarter percent rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34, 888-YREFI-34. Young David, what does your political pin say today? For President Warren G. Harding. Warren G. Harding for President. That's right. He ran against Cox? James Cox, yes, that's and right. And James Cox's actually, uh, running mate, is huh? Somewhat related to the communications company. Oh, is that right? Same family? Century, yes, yes, that's right. And James Cox's running mate was? Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Nice work. Yeah, he would have been, what, Secretary of the Navy at the time? Nice work. Yeah. But nice. do you know why I'm wearing that today? New York governor, yeah. Because 100 years ago today, we lost President Harding. That's right. Yeah. There's a really good Died essay on it. There's a really good essay on it. Um, at Real Clear Politics. Today? Today. I ought to check it out. You ought to. It's called The Strange Death of Warren G. Harding. Oh, there's a lot of suspiciousness. Yeah, but you, you want to read, read this article. His, his wife's um, superstitions. Right, yes, right. Yes. You want to read this article. Uh, she wouldn't allow an autopsy. 
Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it would have solved a lot of these suspicions. What we need to do is not so much commemorate his death as celebrate the accession to the presidency of Calvin Coolidge. And maybe uh, that comes tomorrow. That he did com- not find out he was president right. until that the wee so, hours of August right. 3rd. So let's make a big point of doing that tomorrow. Indeed we shall. But when you read this Real Clear Politics article, The Strange Death of Warren G. Harding, it's by Eric Felton, F-E-L-T-E-N. You're going to want to read it for a lot of reasons. I will. Including the fact that his dad was my first music teacher. And I was in a jazz ensemble with Eric Felton. And if you look him up online, he has a band in Washington, D.C. that plays your music. Check him out. Eric Felton. My music? No, it does. He does a lot of swing and live and all that stuff. Yeah, the American Songbook. You'll love it. Eric Felton. No, I think it's I think it's very poignant. You know, we look at uh, President Harding. He was relatively popular, yeah, and uh, a lot of bad stuff came out yeah. after he uh, yeah. passed away. Yeah, but a lot of good stuff came out with the presidency of Calvin Coolidge. We oh, need to celebrate that tomorrow. Stuff. You bet. Help me stuff. do that with you, and the audience will as well. Okay, we'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 